Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You guys, welcome to Just the Sip. This week's guest, I have been hounding for her ass to come on the show and take this sip. I don't know if you've heard of a little phenomenon called Pose or another little TV show called American Horror Story, but if you have, you know this woman, you know her work. Please welcome Angelica, the boss, Ross. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a while. When's the last time I see you? What was the Louis, what was the, the Louis Vuitton story? <laughs> you, you bougie bitch. Yes, it was. <laughs> Let me just tell you all this story for you. In Beverly Hills, all. yes, of all places. I was in Beverly Hills doing some drunk shopping with some drunk women. And <laughs> I see this beautiful Nubian princess with her hair in a wrap, coming out, curls overflowing. She running around with multiple bags, just saying hello to everybody. Body and it yeah. was Miss Ross. You know, and, and actually, I was just celebrating uh, being one of the um, faces for the uh, pre-fall collection for Louis Vuitton. So that's why I was there. Was like kind of you know getting my little benefits, you know, out of being <laughs> one of the new faces, like collecting the you know collecting. You gotta I got to collect. I just took off Hammer's dog collar, but as you can see. We got it from the Louis Vuitton store also, so. Even the dog is in L. Yes, this is Hammer, named after Candy's Hammer. 2020 for everybody has been so crazy, but I feel like this is kind of sort of your year. I mean, Pose 1984 came out in 2019. You're getting recognition for all of your work, but this wasn't your life starting off. So how does it feel to be at this moment knowing, you know, that you didn't really start here and that it's possible? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that I always sort of had a vision that my life would be in this place, you know? Mm. So you do have to start out with a little vision, you know, a little vision for your life. And yes. I definitely started out for that, but it's just that being trans, um, when I transitioned, um, the world was really trying hard to communicate to me that this was, that my dreams were not possible, that I was not valuable. And so like, but I was a theater kid. I grew up in, you know, the church choirs and swing choir and chorale and playing uh, piano by ear, then learning guitar and tap dancing and modern and being in um, 11 years of musical theater. Like I did all of these things and had always thought I would be performing. But when I transitioned, I honestly like, just had to focus on survival. And so, you know, my younger self is doing cartwheels inside my heart right now because everything, you know, as we say, I'm taking back everything the devil stole from me. Because the devil will steal it all. Yes, the devil is alive, yes. The devil is alive. And I often say this on the show that you guys don't understand how hard it was to be black and gay in a very black church centric community. But now I take that back because you had it even worse than me. You were black, gay and transitioning in that same community. What was that like for you? You know, to be honest, I am so tired of being gaslit by folks in the black community who try to act like they don't know what all the black LGBTQ people are talking about. It's kind Amen. of like in the same way where black people are really frustrated with white people who pretend to just now be uh, understanding racism or, oh my God, I can't believe this is our America. Like, hello? That's why I'm so glad that I have like the words of, 
you know, James Baldwin, when he talks about loving America so much that he reserves the right to critique it. And yeah. so what I decided to do as a black trans woman, I decided to be radical. And even though signs were showing I should fear black men, I told myself I will change that fear into love and I will radically love black men so much that I'm yeah. willing to to critique them. And and I know some people think, you know, they want to think you're man haters or you're this or you're that. No, it's just that I want to see and and help to develop black men in our community who are able to protect all women. 120% because I feel like when it comes to loving our own community, we need to work within to love ourselves before we can make somebody else love us and see us for who we are. Because if, if we don't see black trans women as people and we're black people, then what the hell? It's the same thing with gay people. You know, I was chased. I was beaten. You know, mm -hmm. I was, mm -hmm. my issue was ignored by my family. Like if it's not happening, if you're not going to say it, we're not going to acknowledge it, which looking back. Because hoping it's the phase. They're hoping it's a phase. They're hoping that it's going to go away. They're hoping you're going to move away so that they can live their lives and you can live yours and you can be safe. But we're not going to talk about it, you know. And for a very long time, when I was younger, I didn't know what it meant to be gay. So I thought I was a woman living in a man's body because I liked men. And no one ever talked to me about it. So I had to figure out from HBO and from Sue Johansson on Talk Sex in Canada, what it meant to be a gay man. And it really, I could have got a better understanding of it when I was a kid, but no one sat me down and explained it to me. So I was hating myself because everybody was hating me already. Well, you know, I, I, and again, and I, I really do feel that there's certain things that don't need to be explained. Um, and they don't need to be explained at early ages. We, it's just that our society is in a place right now where there's so much effort at um, heteronormativity. Like yes. they always talk about uh, us forcing the gay agenda or the LGBTQ agenda down their throats. But any of us know that like heteronormativity is like forced from preschool. Yes. It's forced from preschool. So if we could actually get to a place where we pull back things and stop actually because you know, the people who are sexualizing our kids many times are folks who are pushing for cis heteronormativity, pushing for their young 100%. kids to already have girlfriends and to kiss. And you got little Boosie who was hiring hookers to sleep hookers. with his child. Why is he not in jail? I don't got nothing to sip right now. So I wish I did, but <laughs> because it would be just a sip. It would be just a sip, but that's my mm -hmm. issue. It's my issue that we can sit here and say it's okay for a 13-year-old, you know, her, for a 13-year-old's father to hire him a hooker and we clap about it, but we can't clap about Dwayne Wade expressing his love and acceptance for his And what's daughter. sad is, you know, I've dated a rapper or two. Mm. And, um, mm. you know me. But, I, you know, I've dated a rapper too, and, and you know, it's so funny because some of them that they talk about the fact that they were sexualized at a young age and it was something that was supposed to be cool. It was yes. something that was supposed to make them men. And so, but these men also then grow up with very messed up ways of treating women and valuing yeah. women and just, and also just having things around sexuality and over having things turned on too soon and, you know, all these different things. So, you know, I really wish that we would have a real honest conversation about how pushing cis heteronormativity is actually harming our children. 100%. It's so funny that you bring up a rapper because I've dated a sports star, R2. Ooh, yes, and, you know. You know, you know, we're not going to say no names, but we're going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was this weird moment that I realized that living in Los Angeles and being surrounded by these people and dating these people, I often felt like a fetish. Yeah. But at the time, it was cool because, oh, he's an NBA player and, and I'm me and like, this is fun. And I didn't know any different. And it's this crazy spark that goes on in your mind when you realize that you're a fetish. And then I felt guilty for liking being a fetish. <laughs> well, it's listen, weird. it's a place and time for everything. You hear me? 
Yes. It's a, it's a place in time for everything. And consent is the key word. Consent is the key word. Consent is the key word for all parties. But when all parties aren't really consenting to the setup, you understand? Because sometimes it's not just the moment, it's also the setup. And sometimes it, so many men are lying to us for the setup. And mm -hmm. when it just be one, keep it 100, and then maybe we could all consent to whatever is happening. But yes. you know, you wanna you want you wanna uh, play it like that. Well, we can play it like that, you know. So you know, you just put different dudes in different boxes, is what I've learned. Yeah, one hundred percent. Have you always been? Because you know, I, I know a lot. Of, I call them my fabulous ladies. You know, have you always been honest and upfront? And how did you get to that place about being upfront about your experience? Because you know what I mean. Like, like I know what the world may call passing, you know, I know of women who don't, who don't feel the need to be upfront about, you know, their experience. Are you upfront and how did, how long did it take you to get to that place? That's a tricky question because like, okay, disclosure is one thing. Yes. So disclosing my uh, trans status is one thing. Uh, have I always been upfront with disclosing that trans status? Um, depends on the circumstance. You know, because yeah. I'm not walking around uh, down the street. Hey, I'm trans. How you doing? Yeah. You know, hey, no, for sure. to you that I'm trans. Before I walk in this door, is everything cool? I'm trans. You know what I mean? Like, I that's that's not what it needs to happen. So, but yes, there were, um, you know, it was always a struggle to figure out when was the right time and safe time to disclose that I'm trans. Because the reality is, is when I'm talking to someone might not be the moment to disclose. Because yeah. even though he's into me or whatever, I don't know his character yet because I'm just meeting him. So yeah. I don't know if me telling him I'm trans is going to result in a violent situation. So I need to do some assessment of my own. That's why disclosure is mine to have. Yeah. So that that's the first thing on disclosure. But the second thing around just am I, you know, have I always been upfront and honest? Like, you know, I just really feel like I have no I have no choice but to. Here's the thing, like when I, I went to this like cruise where there was a bunch of CEOs and celebrities, John Legend's on the boat playing music, you know, Harry Belafonte's on, I mean, everybody's on the boat. I'm oh, I need to get on this boat. You know, everybody was on the boat. What's so wild about this is that the reality of being trans is that people don't expect your existence. People don't expect you to exist in everyday life. They yes. expect you to be somewhere in the margins, not celebrating at the party with everyone else. So what happens was when I was at the party on the boat with everyone else wearing my bikini, yeah, now splashing around in the water, living my best life, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you know, ah! as I was living my best life, I knew, listen, I had knew what eyes was on me and I knew it was some money in the building. You hear right. me? But I knew right. it was some money in the building. But the situation was that I met a guy who I had to kind of push off of me and who got um, aggressive. We were dancing on the floor and then he tries to start kissing me. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. You know, can I just get to know you? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You know, so men are so handsy and sometimes so like claiming property over women that they don't give you time to disclose anything, let alone I'm trans or anything else. I got kids or anything else. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if they actually took the time to get to know people, because this is how I feel, and this is how I knew that, you know, Janet Mock basically talked about when she was on The Breakfast Club, and this is why, you know, if I ever go near The Breakfast Club, I will charge it to the game. I will take a baseball bat, bust up that studio, and charge right it to ahead. the game. Listen, and charge I'm it to the look. game. Because, you know, Janet Mock is someone who goes on and educates people, and people always say, well, if you didn't beat us over the head and just educated us, so she sat there for a full episode and educated you only for you to clown her in the very next episode with little Duvall, who basically they posed the question of, um, if you found out afterwards, you know, that after, I guess, dating this person or sleeping with this person, Janet holding up her book to little Duvall and little Duvall says, Oh, that dying. That's some dis that, and this is why, and this is the issue because what the breakfast club could have done 
is sat there and educated Lil Duval because they just got an education the day they before. They could, but they were just laughing along. They were just laughing along. And so one thing I know that um, at least Janet has taught me in her book, Surpassing Certainty, you know, I've been I've been really still working on bringing my full self into the room when my pretty privilege and passing privilege and all those things give me certain privileges until I say that I'm trans or I say this or that and the other. But one thing I've learned is should you disclose, um, you know, yeah, if you have the opportunity to disclose. But here's the situation as a post-op trans woman. If a man is not interested in getting to know me, doesn't want to ask me questions or get to know who I am, then uh, no, maybe I'm not going to tell you what flavor he doesn't deserve. I'm not going to tell you what flavor the kitty is. I'm just going to give it to you and get what I want and leave. Oh, 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 oh. Because you look, men don't give you the flavor. All you wanted was the kitty. You didn't say what kind. You didn't say what flavor. So if you had some specificity, you didn't tell me if you had any dietary restrictions. No, you just wanted you just wanted kidding. You, you got didn't it. tell me you were vegan. Yeah, no. I want let's have a conversation. We, we women want dates. We want conversations. We want these things. But these dudes is trying to hit so quick that you're not trying to get to know nobody. So and don't blame trans women for not disclosing to you first of all when you don't give them the opportunity. But let me push that to a side because I'm only addressing that because that's sometimes a narrative people want to throw up. And it's not the mainstream narrative. It's not the Every once narrative. in a while, sure, you might have a girl that wants to feel her oats and that might not say something right away or whatever disclosure time. But these murders that are happening with trans women of color are happening from intimate partner violence. That's why yes. the domestic violence is an issue for both black cis and trans women. Amen. I just don't understand as a community how we just can't shout it out. And how if we're going to say Black Lives Matter, we have to say Black Trans Lives Matter as well. And if we're going to say his name, let's say her name as well. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's it's white supremacy. And what I've learned is how not to see my Black brothers and sisters as the root cause. Yes. As the root of the problem, because they're not. Yeah. They're just they're just not. And so but they may be participating but they're not the root cause of it. And so I deal with them with a lighter hand or I deal with them with, a, again, with a hand of love while I'm still dragging, you know, I'm still gonna drag you if that's what's, what's needed, but I am gonna 1, do so, but I'm gonna do so lovingly because the reality is we're stuck in patriarchy, uh, religion. Um, these are things that are having us to basically sell our femmes and our our, our women and uh, out to a system yeah. that only that only puts cis heteronormativity at the top. And it's crazy to me, and I can say this as a gay man. And I'm gonna step back for a minute. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drag myself for two seconds. Drag yourself, honey. We all gotta drag ourselves. Sometimes. We I'm gonna drag I'm gonna drag myself on my podcast for two seconds because I was I wasn't moving in this direction, but I was still in letting this direction move, people move in this direction near me and not stopping it. And what I hate about the gay community sometimes is that we are a marginalized people. And then we get into this community and then we marginalize ourselves even more. We segregate ourselves into cis people on this side and white gays but it's on not that we. side. It's, but it's just not we, it's a human characteristic. 100%. It's like that Dr. Seuss uh, thing with the, the the ones with the stars and then they didn't have the star. It, it's, I mean, it's just a human characteristic that people don't want to be the bottom of the barrel. So the moment they get a chance to put someone else up underneath them, for some people, the human nature without any reflection, without like sort of a moral accountability, that's just the, uh, the knee-jerk reaction. 100%. But we can't sit here and use techniques and words and language and and style that the trans community created in our own everyday life and not say where it comes from or not acknowledge yeah i think it's the most disrespectful thing ever to hear people calling a dip sublam or a, a death drop or whatever it is i think it's completely disrespectful and the reason why i think it's disrespectful is because we uphold whiteness so much that we wouldn't dare call an ele- uh, an arabesque a twerking twist. Yeah. Girl, look at this, what I just did, a twerking twist. You better put that on a t-shirt. Twerking twist? <laughs> a twerking twist. A twerking twist. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we, like, 
the only people who seem to be able to allow to have an authority in creating something are white people. And we don't seem to respect the creations of black and black folks, especially black LGBTQ folks. Mm -hmm. It's this crazy. First of all, Janet Mock was sent here from another world, just so yes. you know. Janet I mean, we Mock, all were. Yeah, that's trans people. We, we were. But yes, continue. Mm -hmm. Janet Mock <laughs> is what I like to call um, a Oprah. She's like the Oprah educator who will come in and change a generation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, she changed my life. I think Janet Mock changed a lot of people's lives. I think Janet Mock being a part of Pose in the way that she was, I think it's sometimes easier for white men to to create shows and to get them seen. But yeah. what I love about Ryan Murphy was he wasn't trying to whitewash the story. He wasn't trying to come in with his producing team and change the narrative. I love that he gathered so many people that understood the culture and, and was there and knew it and put these people together in this ensemble. What was it like the first time you heard that this show was going to be made? When I first of all, I, I was like about damn time that they're finally going to do a show, you know, focusing on the trans community and the ballroom community. Uh, but when I first heard about it, I just I, I actually passed on it a couple of times, to be honest. Wait, no. Yeah. You passed on candy. No, I didn't pass on candy. I passed on the audition originally for Pose, which was to audition for Blanca or Electra. And so between those two characters, I didn't really, and, and I learned a very big lesson here. Between those two characters, I didn't see myself in either of the characters, especially when it said Blanca. I just didn't feel like, I felt like it was written for a Latina trans woman. Yes. So I was just like, Blanca, um, you know, okay, fine. And then there was Electra. And Electra, you know, was a little bit more mature, and I just didn't want to quite go there just yet. Yeah, no, I don't want to go. You were there. like, no, bitch. No, I'm I just wanted to pull back. So I was like, you know what? Let some other girls. So I like sent it to so many different folks. I was like, hey, you know, audition. This is coming up. This is coming up. This is coming up. My management was like, you need to audition for this. And it was what was interesting is that I got calls from probably at least four different agents who were not mine. Wow. Yeah, who were like, hey. Uh, are you work, working exclusively with someone? We'd love to pitch you for this show and blah, 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 blah. We'll do it for only 20%. You know, just sharks yeah. coming out the water. Just kind of all kind of stuff, child. Run. It's Damn. run, y'all. They say that 20, run. Okay. Run, bitch. No 20 is not the standard. No, that's not the standard, girl. Do some homework. So anyway, but there's girls trying to get over on the trans girls coming up, thinking that they we don't know no better. That's the situation. Yeah. But I had an agent. I've been on TV before. This ain't my first time at the rodeo. This was dollar. not your first time at the rodeo. No, no. So when I when I definitely they said, listen, do this, do the self tape and send it in. So I did my self tape. I sent it in. They love my self tape. They gave me a callback. And so uh, when I got my callback, they were going to fly me to New York, and um, I had to work out my whole deal, like what the paperwork looked out ahead of time. Wow. So it was interesting to watch and audition for that show and know that I was going to find out within five days if I had gotten the role. I did not get the role. So it was just this interesting space to watch sort of my dreams and that contract sort of fade away. And then, you know, I bawled my eyeballs out because my, everything in my spirit, in my spiritual practice, there were so many like coincidences that added up, said that I was going to be on the show. So I was like, I don't normally have these type of feelings and I'm wrong. So what's going on? I cried about it and I let it go. Wow. Months later, I get a call and, uh, you know, come to find out after meeting me, Ryan wrote the role of Candy. So it wasn't that I passed on Candy. I was Candy. I walked in the dough. And Candy came to life. And Candy came to life. Absolutely. It's just been such a learning experience being on Pose because Pose was the first time, uh, to be honest, that I got a chance to work so much. I've been a guest star. I've, yes. been, I've done a few episodes here and there. I've been in the scene. But to be a series regular, I basically was like a student and with a notepad and was soaking up every single thing. And I think come season two, I was ready. And I thought I was going to be doing even more. But, you know, come to find out my, my, my trajectory is going to be cut short there. But it was literally that I was just preparing for that moment to give that performance and leaving that because... I can't say enough as a activist or advocate for trans lives. I have spoken a lot. I have 
spoken at a lot of colleges and done a lot of things. I don't think anything will, in my lifetime, do as much, have much of a mm-hmm. ripple effect as Plain Candy did. It can't, It just went into people's hearts and into their, I mean, every, I think, I've been tagged a million times from people crying on watching the show. Yeah, I think, you know, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know why I see there's going to be something even bigger. Like, I, I just Well, feel... I mean, there's something bigger for in my career, but I'm just saying as far as a piece tr- of- tr- yes something that could travel so far it's around the world i don't even i couldn't even i couldn't make that if i tried you know what i mean like i couldn't so it was something that just all the elements came together to have such a global phenomenon with the show damn can you call ryan murphy for me i'll call him i'll I'll give you 20 percent. i'll give you 20 percent. yeah listen I'll only take 10. I, I, I look, look I, I will give you 10%. I will give you 10%, bitch. And I just want to yes. be in a sex scene. I want to be in a sex no, scene. Trust me. I think I got you, though. I actually got you because trust and believe when I tell you, Ryan Murphy, I love that mother. I love him. Let I him know. You, Ryan Murphy. I love you. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Isn't it weird how God works? It is very interesting that you have to trust. You really, really have to trust the process. You really do. And that's one of the things that people, any advice I can give to actors and folks that are trying to get into the business or do certain things, I have a background in improvisation. Mm-hmm. So there was this uh, club in Miami, uh, Miami Improv that I used to, uh, to go to and just different places. It's a tool for life. Yeah, You have to be able to go with the flow. You have to be able to improv. You have to be able to say yes and do yes. everything you know 100 I mean? so if, if you're just drawing a picture in your head of how you're gonna act and what you're gonna do and how you're gonna respond you're leaving out a very vital uh element which is the organicness of whatever's in front of you people 100%. place or thing yeah it's so crazy that like we almost didn't get our favorite character on pose because you weren't listening yeah to the universe yeah and 100% got through, it finally got through to you. Um, I don't think there was anyone who watched Pose that did not have this mixed emotion about watching this performance you gave, but also being fe- infuriated that she had died. You were pissed. But it was almost like this swan song that just wouldn't finish. I don't know if I, I saw one other performance this year that had people talking like that. One other performance. Like, I'm honestly not saying this from a place of ego. Mm -hmm. The preparation and work that went into that role, my main objective as a Buddhist is to have dialogue with people that helps people see the humanity and the value in all people. Yes. And so that came to fruition in my purpose of playing Candy. Because the reality is, is folks have a short memory, but they were reading the hell out of Candy for weeks. Yeah. You know, you know, and especially during, you know, the earlier seasons and things like that or whatever, you know, Candy was the girl you love to hate. 100%. You're right. But I had to do things in a way. My, uh, they call it like my, my scene objective, every scene, like, it's so interesting that episode four would be Candy's sort of, you know, last scenes, but I played every scene like it was my last. That was the fever oh pitch that you felt from Candy was like, bitch, I got to get it now. 100%. You know, and so she was willing to make certain decisions. There were certain, you know, there were, and, but that's really painting a picture so that we don't villainize these trans women who are making the best decisions they know how, 100%. who are trying their best to put two and two together in a job market that does not value them. And, and so when you have a job market like sex work that does at least call you by your right pronouns and pays you. 
and pays you. Then you got to, you know, we got to be invested in making a better environment for trans women and just for women, period, so that they can so that any choice that they make can be a better choice. Because, you know, when we talk about decriminalizing sex work, that's an issue about autonomy for both cis and trans women. It would empower cis and trans women if we decriminalize sex work. 100%. And by the way, I always say I'm not knocking anybody's hustle. No. I can't knock your hustle because if you're feeding your if you're Let feeding me why yourself, you can't, you can't knock nobody hustle because reality is some hoes that's married. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And by the way, we were all sex workers at one point. We just didn't know we were getting paid for we it, had, but we were we all doing it. We were all doing it at one point. Mm-hmm. Even when you're married, you still sex working. Well, you know, again, Carolyn Miss, M-Y-S-S, she has a book called uh, Energy, Anatomy of the Spirit or something like that. I'm going to write this And down. she talked, yeah, it's, it's an incredible book. Carolyn Miss, she also wrote the book Sacred Contracts, but she wrote uh, the book Energy, Anatomy of Energy of the Spirit or something like that. And it basically breaks it all down into these archetypes, talking about how we as humans, you know, most of us have these, at least the basic archetypes, yes. the child archetype the victim archetype you know there's certain archetypes well one of those archetypes is the prostitute archetype we all have it and we all have it because what it says is that we all are willing to sell our creative energies when the price is right that means working for a company you know does not align align with your morality that means being in a marriage that does not align with your values that because it pays the price for you so let's not just shame the ones who are sell- who are using their body because those who are doing their body she explains even in her book can do something what she calls sacred prostitution when there is no miscommunication or uh or or uh deception around the exchange of value that's happening how do you disconnect from the act and your feelings you want the truth I want the truth because you know what? Look, we if we're going to normalize, we need to normalize sex work first and foremost. But I, again, I just want to have a real conversation about this. I don't know how I would be able to do it. It's an answer that is difficult. There's so many sex workers that are uh, cis. And there are mm-hmm. so many sex workers that are trans who have a very low opinion of men. And it, it's because of how much they've seen and what they've seen from men who are married and men who have girlfriends who will t- say to everyone's face, you know, that things are this otherwise, whatever, yeah. Yeah, or whatever, whatever the situation is. And so you really almost have to, <laughs> I hate to say this, but like, no, you, really, say it. you really have to almost like treat all men. <sighs> this the is just Yeah. The thing is that, so the more privilege that a man has, yes, the more sort of patriarchal and disrespectful and um, disconnected um, he can be from yes. a woman's needs and what she wants and being able to show up for women in those ways. So the less privilege a man has, the more he's willing to behave. Check the stats, baby. It's just, I, it's a, it's a, when I tell you, <laughs> Listen, I, I'm a woman of a certain age. Uh, I turned forty. But you black, year. honey. But you black. Thank bitch. You. So you gonna be you gonna be looking like that Thank for you. the next sixty. You know, I, I turned forty this year, but I've been single since I, you know, definitely since I gave up my engagement, since I gave him the ring back in two thousand and six. So fourteen years, I've been wow. I've been single. Now I've dated and dibbled and dabbled. But the reality is, is that I'm an option to so many men. Trans women are an option, and that's why they play around with us like they do. It's not an option that is acceptable to society, and that's why we're having a lot of the problems that we're having. I also feel, to a degree, Black gay men are an option to the world as, as well. Not in the same sense of trans women, but I think... You know, for myself, I feel like sometimes they can sleep with me or they we can go and have fun or we can go on a few dates. But I can't I can't be with a black man. I can't just can't be with a black man. You know what I mean? Because that's not what people want. And it's so 
up. And it's so crazy that this is how the world truly thinks. And I think it's out of shame because we tend to shame things that we don't know. So, well, think about it this way. Um, we had to get after Cardi, Cardi B, love you, girl. We had to get off after Cardi when she posted, uh, they posted this meme on Facebook with this girl looking out, this cartoon looking out the window, uh, this guy, car black cartoon looking out the window like i hope nobody sees this tranny leaving from my house uh disclaimer we don't use that word only uh, only uh trans people we yes so use that word just like i can use the n-word and some of y'all can't use that Let's so just, just know yeah yeah but yeah so, so they make these jokes but what they're saying is they're not realizing that they're helping to jump into a culture that's shaming men for their desires yes 100%, which is why men feel like they have to do it in the darkness of the night. Mm -hmm. It's interesting whenever you talk about, you know, being able to say the T word, like I'm able to say the N word, you know, in certain instances. Or the um, F word in certain sentences. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to drag Dave Chappelle for filth when he's on stage talking about, I don't understand why I can stand up in here on stage and use the N word all day. But when I, if I use the F word, like if you use, you know, the gay slang yeah. word or whatever, that everybody's coming after you because you don't identify as gay. If someone white was on stage using the N word, y'all be after him too. Amen. So baby, you just proved my point. You're standing Amen. up there as a cis hetero man using slurs towards a community that you're not a part of. No, no, sweetie. That is the issue. And getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And then to act like it's uh, it's a problem to be, to be educated while you getting paid along the way at the same time. Good night. That check ain't canceled. This is the other thing that is concerning to me because I, you know, sometimes when I was younger, I didn't want to be identified as a gay man or the gay friend. I just wanted to be me. I wanted to be a man. Let me just live my truth. Da, 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 because I always felt like it was kind of a silent dig. But as I got older, I realized, no, I want people to identify me as a gay man because I want people to know that it wasn't easy for me to get where I am today. And I want other people who are struggling to get out of that closet to know, oh, there's a black gay man on TV who grew up in the South, like me, or a gay man who didn't come from anything, who's kind of worked his way up and kind of sort of, you know, I just want people to see it and I want people to identify it. Do you feel the same way about people calling you, you know, a woman of trans experience instead of just a woman. I'm going to say this. Y'all can call me whatever you want to, just as long as you call me paid and working. You know what I'm Good saying? Good night. Because this is what, I, at the end of the day, there is so much of this conversation, this discourse that don't have nothing to do with my daily life. And I, and I, I, what I mean by that is it's not that, policies. It's not that this administration isn't doing everything it can to, to impact my life, but it's that I live on a different plane of power, of spiritual power, of certain type of power where I don't believe, you know, my ex fiance, his father offered me basically a bag of money to yeah. either one leave or like to, um, so what he calls sweep my past under the rug and never tell anyone again. Bitch. And it was, it was a situation where when we told, when me and my fiance told his father, they were like, okay, well, listen, you know, his mom is kind of like ill. Um, she's dealing with some health issues. So let's not tell anyone else. You How know, big was we, the bag? How big was the bag? I mean, they, 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 they I mean, but here's Ooh. the situation. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say Did you take this. the bag? I would have took the I, bag. I would have took the bag. Not only did I not take the bag, but I gave the ring back as well. I gave the diamond ring back um, as well. And, you know, when he was proposing to me, I basically said to him, what kind of life are you proposing we live when you are proposing to me and asking me to keep the marriage a secret in the same sentence? Wow. I, I could never be the woman I am today. If I were wow. dimming my light behind some man, I, it would not happen. So again, I think I'm all for living as open and authentically as quickly as you can. Because yes, there are some consequences 
that yeah. come along with your choices. But as a Buddhist, I've had the uh, the blessing to have the perspective to realize there's no such thing as good and bad. Yeah. There's only cause and effect. So as much as things, yes, may hurt right now, I might not be able to call this moment bad because it might be that ripple effect I need to change my life. 100%. So it might be bad in the moment or we might be having some bad feelings, you know. So we need to start describing things in ways that are um, transient. Those are the lessons that we come from, get from trans people is that, you know, you can't hold on to these things that are constantly changing my, my beauty and everything that I have. I'm only playing this game for y'all right now that that appeals to you, but my spirit is going to soar so far beyond what this is. How long have you been a Buddhist? It's been almost 10 years now that I've been practicing. You've been a practicing Buddhist for 10 years. You know, when I was going through my whole journey and trying to find myself in Los Angeles at 22 years old, I kind of lost I lost my faith a little bit because I didn't understand why God made me the way he did, but didn't make people to back me up or to uplift me and encourage me like for every 10 haters or for every 10 bigots why weren't there 10 people who were outwardly ready to fight for me or ride for me there was always that one or two that was ready but never enough and i just couldn't understand it and then when i was a little bit older i realized that this was part of my journey this was part of my transition into the man that i am today and it took me a very long time to find faith and to find that higher power how did you find your higher power and not give up? Because bitch, you've been through some. To be honest, it was it was the fact that I I hit the brink of death. I think twice, um, at least twice that I can recall, uh, uh so vividly. Once um, when you were a teenager. Once when I was a teenager, when I attempted suicide. The second time when I was in the military and they were hanging me by my ankles out of a third story window, trying to get me to admit that I was gay. You ate. Yes, I served. Yeah. You served in the military. In many ways, yeah. You, mm-hmm. What was your catalyst for going to the military? Because look, we know that we are not allowed. At that time, we were not welcomed in the military. So what in the right, in your right mind, in your narrow ass told you to go to the military? Can I tell you, it has been the most full circle moment. And I wanted to change. I wanted to change for my family. I wanted, I didn't want to be a disappointment. And I, as, as the thing stood, I was a disappointment to my family. They, it was very, um, stated um that i you know we didn't want you live we don't want you living this lifestyle you know this all this kind of stuff or what have you so and i grew up in the church i tried prayer i tried fasting i was in the choir i was i read my bible faithfully and so i thought if prayer didn't change maybe they could drill it into me and you went to the army at 17 um, and so years I, old. Yeah, the, the Navy. Yes, I went to the Navy. Uh, and I was actually stationed in Japan um, for a while. And um, yeah, I just, the, the you know, it's, it's these moments when you realize you might not have another chance. To, uh, you might not have another go at it. So if you get another go at it, what are you going to do with it? And for me, when I was laying on the floor after committees trying to attempt suicide uh, when I was a teenager, you know, that was a moment I say as my like God spoke to me moment where yeah. I say like because it was it just felt so audible that like I could hear what are you doing? Wow. Get up off the floor. I am. You heard you. it. I, I know who you are. You heard it. I know. Yes, I know who you are. Get up. And if no one else is willing to walk with you, I'll walk with you. Like those footprints in the sand that Jesus, that like those sort of things. Like I had to hold on to that until I had something more concrete. And when I tell you that Buddhism gave me a concrete conviction, you can't tell me otherwise. Damn. It is, it is giving me a concrete. And the reason why I know is because what they do is they teach us that we are called bodhisattvas of the earth. And what that means is, is that there's going to become a time 
where all over the place these Buddhas are born or or, or uh, come up within the earth to help push life forward. And what's wow. happening is, is that as a Buddhist, we believe that Buddhism believes in karma and in uh, the cyclical nature of life and death, and that yeah. we just are constantly on this cycle of life and death. Well, some Buddhists believe that you want to work to enlightenment to get off the wheel so that you yeah. can finally get off the wheel of that cycle. Nature and Buddhists, we believe that uh, we want to just keep on hopping right back on. You want to come back in. Jump right back in to show yet another example. Let me show you in this black trans body from the Midwest, Kojic Church of God in Christ background. Let me show you how I'm going to take her from point A to point B. Let me show you what um, enlightenment looks like in this being, in this body. That's why can't no one, no one deny or repress the spirituality that is coming out of me in these past whatever. The manifestation that's happening, the all the things that's happening. People can say anything they want to. Meanwhile, I'm good. You good. But the reality is things could change like that. And when they do, I am a resilient woman. Being a black trans woman is some it, it, resilience comes with the path. And so, Ooh. if things should turn upside down, I know how to work really hard to turn them right back upside again. That's just that's just the, the I'm someone that's not. You guys um, have to survive. You listen, guys have so to you survive see people who create. lose their jobs or do certain things; they're ready to jump off a building. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. I've I've lost everything. I can rebuild. I can rebuild all over. I, I can start over. From scratch. Yeah. This is MacGyver. Absolutely. But I'm a, I, I might find a few, um, a few, uh, uh, <laughs> a few stones along the way to help you. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, a few sponsors. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you have not only built this life for yourself, but what I love the most about your story is that you're uplifting and helping other people build their lives because you know how important it is to have that foundation. And you started a company called TransTech. I started TransTech from being in sex work. Like it was literally a situation where I was being fired from every job I went to. As soon as I showed my ID where the gender marker did not align or my name did not align or whatever didn't align with their program, I was ousted out the situation. And so I got tired of feeling, of fearing for my security and my life on the job. And after yeah. I get off the job late at night, I got tired of that. So, you know, I, I found myself, you know, back in the day getting into sex work and it was interesting how it was divine intervention because I was supposed to sort of do all this work. And this woman who like ran a website was like, actually, you seem kind of jazzy on that computer. How about, and, and the reality was she was really, I was a naive young trans girl. So yes. the reality was what she was trying to get over and and um save money from the webmaster that was charging her all the money they were charging her. Because again, as an adult website, they're really taking, they were also taking advantage of her seeing the money coming in and trying to, you know, do all this kind 100%. of stuff. 100%. So she hired me to do the, uh, crop the pictures, upload pictures, do all of this stuff. And so I found that I was able to work behind the scenes instead of being exploited in front of the camera, or at the very least, I could quit working her website and make create my own and create charge my own price ooh, ooh, and do my baby before OnlyFans. I have my own bitch. situation. You know what I'm saying? I have my own situation before OnlyFans. But when I told myself, you know what? And this is what I feel like trans black people are not afforded the grace that white people are. And even more so black trans people are not afforded the grace to grow. Amen. I luckily gave myself the grace to grow from point A to point B to say, I'm worth more than this. I'm yes. worth more than this. I'm worth more than this. So I created trans tech as a harm reduction strategy. Initially, it wasn't about just about coding and different things. It was about this is a way to get the girls off the street and reduce the harms they face on the streets by wow. putting them behind a computer screen and a chat screen. Are you finding that there are girls that are willing to go there, that are ready to go there? Because I think sometimes when you're about a certain life, it's sometimes hard to break them out of that cycle. Like I have, you know, cousins who are in the drug game and it's easy and it's quick money. And the minute you start talking to them about 
leaving that life, they can't see anything outside of it. What kind of response have you gotten from this and your community? The reality is that there is no one size fits all for a situation. The reality is, is that I don't want to get all women out of sex work because some women are empowered there. Some women, it's their calling to be quiet. You know, and to be to be honest, like I I I envision a world with sex workers because I feel that so many people force themselves into relationships before they've worked out their sexual issues. Yeah. And then they end up dragging their partners through all kind of stuff that they that they didn't sign up for. Um, and so I just feel like, hey, um, that's why, you know, anybody or oh, you're interested in trans. Oh, you want to experiment? You want to do that? OK, I know a couple girls. Cause I'm yeah. not the one I'm not, I'm not the one that you experience that bitch. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to know what your heart do and what the pockets do. 100%. Oh, and the pockets. Because I mean, you know, not, let's not, let's no, not forget. No, let's not get, let's not get this. You got to, to understand men as creatures, they ain't spending money on you. They spending money on some, listen, I'm trying to tell you. Come, come through. If they're listen. not spending money on you, they're spending money on somebody else. And I don't want to sound like a gold I'm digger. Not, listen, no, I'm not no. talking about somebody that's taking. Listen, I'm not mm -mm. talking about somebody that's hustling to do and connect and blah blah blah. I'm talking about these dudes who are taking full advantage of the patriarchy. That's what 100, I'm talking about. One hundred percent. It's so crazy whenever I think about being sure of myself. When I think about how sure I am of myself, and I second guess it at times, but a bitch has to be sure of herself to transition. Absolutely. Like, you got to know that this is your life. This is what you were meant to do. And this is the person you were meant to be. How hot does that fire burn inside of you when you're not yourself? Yeah, I feel so sorry for so many folks who want to transition, but it's expensive and it's scary. It, here's the situation though. It's not expensive in the terms people think. Yes. It, it costs you in a, another way. It's, it's expensive in another way. The issue is that not everyone is willing to pay those costs. So the thing is, is that with hormones or without hormones, with surgery or without surgery, I am still Angelica Ross. Yeah. The, the outside would just look a little bit different. And so, so I am still the same woman. And so I wish trans people the insight to be able to acknowledge their beauty at all stages. Yeah. And to build value from the inside out, to build power from the inside out. And I believe that transition is a man is it is an exercise in manifestation yeah. um, of yourself and of the world reflecting to you what you feel and see. But that's that's a certain type of mastery that we don't have the guidebooks for because our lineage has been wiped out. Our spiritual teachers have been wiped out when it comes to this perspective. That's why I'm honestly hoping that. I struggle every day gauging what my full re responsibility is in this situation because yeah. as, a Bud as a Buddhist, we define the word responsibility as the ability to respond. And I know that I have developed um, an ability to respond to a lot of what's going on right now. And it comes from a spiritual place. But we're in a place where Americans and our society doesn't think of trans people as spiritual people, which is really, really not good because... They don't understand that we have to communicate and make people see something that is not yet readily available to their eyes. So we have to pull it out of ourselves from the inside out. That is a spirit. You, we are pulling our spirits out so that call me what you want to. But my womanhood is all over this mm. face. It's all over this skin. It's all over my voice. As husky as it is, it's all woman. So there, I, it doesn't. I don't need someone else to affirm or define in me when I'm so convicted myself, but that comes from a spiritual conviction. And it's unfortunate that trans people have been pushed away from the altar in most spaces. 
And it's crazy because in order to go through that fight, in order to go through that lifelong struggle, bitch, you got to be connected to some higher power because there is no way you can do this alone. Well, you can, you, uh, many people, you know, many people do it in various different ways. All I could say is this, and many people, my own community, I probably will still, you know, might even drag me for this, but I just don't feel that you are getting the full experience of being trans if you're focused on the outside, if you're focused on I, the I agree. If you're focused on the physical and not the spiritual as well. I agree. There's just so many things that I learn on a daily basis, even being part of the LGBTQ community. You know what I mean? Like I've been a carrying card member since I was 19, but I've been in the, I've been in the, in the throes of it since I was, I knew I was different at four years old. I remember yeah. the moment yeah. that I remember when the switch went off in my head. I'm in my little best friend, Ian, and wrestling with him at the mm, time. Like, I wish you would be my boyfriend, but I know. Mm, anyway. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, look, I experimented with the same Two dudes all throughout high school. We were both just trying to figure it out. And I just remember like letting myself fall into the trap of this could be something and da 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 da. And, you know, just to feel like a normal 16 year old was just so nice and beautiful at the time. And yeah. I didn't, I just didn't know. Like I didn't know. Like I knew what to do with it. I just didn't know. That's why it's so important for black and brown LGBTQ folks, especially trans women, to protect yourself, 100. protect your bodies, because a lot of these men out here don't care about no. your bodies. And I know that even myself, you know, when it comes to having safe sex, you know, you have these moments where some guys tell, you know, tells you everything that you want to hear and you want to feel like you know, that you have the opportunity to give yourself to someone in those ways. And you just want to feel organic with it, you know, and I and I totally understand that because I've been there and I've had to battle with the conversation with men around using condoms. Protect yourself, like at 100%. all costs, protect yourself because they are not going to tell you, they're just not telling you everything and they're not, you know, and, and so again, cis women, Cis black women, black trans women, we're your sisters. We're not your enemies. They're, these men are telling us the same thing they're telling you. Amen. So Amen. When we get when we get through and just realize that we have absolutely more in common than we have differences. Some of us can have children and some of us can't, cis or trans. Some of us have breasts and some of us don't. And um, and that's some of us meaning had little A cup uh nibblies or right. lost or lost them to cancer. You know, so we got to stop letting men and letting other people do this biological argument about what is a woman because I can bleed or have kids because at some point those things stop. Amen. Damn, bitch, you are just reading everybody today. <laughs> oh, just wait, because baby. <laughs> We're going to call this just the drag, bitch, because she's dragging us all. So wait, yes. when is this summit? Trans Tech Summit is November 14th and 15th, and it's going to be online. So Saturday and Sunday, and it's going to be worldwide. So there are going to be folks teaching workshops from Africa, from Jamaica, from uh, London, from the U.S., everything from coding, leadership, starting your own podcast, filmmaking, to talking about the movement. And who can and it's join going to be, in? It's, it's going to be free for all. And inclusive. And inclusive. I don't care how you identify. You are welcome at the Trans Tech Summit. And so the, it's where right now we have up to 3,000 people that can um, that can register because that's what my platform allows. But I can pay a little bit more money maybe if we mm. go beyond that. But I'm, mm. making it, I'm making it free. And right now we're just making it so that our sponsors are sponsoring each one of the workshops as well as having our presenting sponsor who is – Oh, we don't have our presenting sponsor yet. Maybe, maybe it's you out there. Maybe, maybe you want to uh, sponsor the Transsex Summit. Maybe you're a big company and want to do that. Hit us up at transsexsocial.org. Find out about the Transsex Summit. You can facilitate workshops. You can attend for free, or you can be an ally and basically help us create a pipeline of employment into your uh, into your company or into your industry. Done, bitch. I'm about to sign up for this. Shit. I want to learn how to code. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We. I'm. I'm about to give 150 black. 
uh, LGBTQ with a focus on black trans, black and brown trans folks, I'm going to give 150 folks um, one year access to to LinkedIn's video tutorial library. And basically in that library, you can learn anything from coding to Photoshop to music engineering to how to negotiate your salary. So we're going to partner them. We're going to give them uh, this account for one year and we're going to have them check in with TransTech once a month along with their progress. And I think 150 people are going to have some amazing outcomes. This is for me, this is a COVID-19 initiative um, that was helped by the Black uh, Trans Fund that helped me fund this. But basically being able to make sure people are able to either one, learn a new skill so they can work from home. Yes. Or learn a new skill so that they can be ready for whatever this next next job market looks like. Oh, my God. Damn. How do people sign up for that? They well, they just have to be a member. You know, our 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 membership, everything we do is free to our members. So and and we just prioritize the most marginalized. That's that's just what it goes to. So if you know if you got if you got a TV show on equity, e, you might not get uh, the free. You not might not get the free. You know we love free. It's interesting because it's so hard to get resources and to make resources free for your community. But when you do, you have to make sure, cause so many people come along, even early on, it's so interesting when I did trans tech, those with more privilege kind of try to access things first, you know, type yeah. situation. And we had to really struggle in order to make sure that the most marginalized were getting what we were handing out. But it was a, it was a struggle for me in the beginning because the reality is, is I'm fighting against a system that is doing things to handicap folks in social services. The way that they're traditionally served is so that that can be a revolving door so that they can keep coming back for that stipend or for that meal or for that what have you. And when I had my office in Chicago, I was offering people coffee and internet access and all these things, but I didn't have money to give them a bus to to do certain things. You know, so it took a while for folks to be able to access because folks who were just trying to survive needed that bus pass. They needed that stipend to get you know, to the next level, to get to the next level. So it literally is all about creating access points. We have to create more access points. If someone is English is not their first language and they're trans and they can access your program or services, that means someone who speaks English and doesn't have those challenges can access it even easier. Yeah. So that's no, why 100%. we focus on making it, you know, more accessible for the most marginalized person. Bitch, I'm coming to that summit. Listen, not only are you coming to the summit, you might need to teach a class or do something. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Because the thing is, is what I, because what we do is we, some of the courses and things that we're doing, my community, especially black trans people, we're, we've been in a space where we've only been allowed to like either greet, talk about HIV, this, that, and the other. It's like, uh, talk about our trauma. We're rarely like put in spaces where we can dream about yeah. being actors and being uh, hosts of TV shows presenters. And, and being, uh, yes, all of those things. And so maybe sharing a little bit of the story about, especially as a black gay man, about some of I'm the, down. Str- you know, about some of the struggles as well as the, 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 the successes that you've had in that industry. 100%. I am totally so down. We'll if talk. you want to do it, yeah, let me, let me know. I'm, you look, know I'm here I for the to. summit. Absolutely. I love you. I love you too. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. And you know, when you come here, you got a place. I got a pool. It's a gated community. It's private. You know? Oh, we Gucci. We Gucci. We, when I come, uh, when I come, I'm gonna have you sign my interview magazine. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wait. So wait. Wait. That. So wait. Wait. What you? So you got the? You got a copy? I'm ordering a copy because I saw okay. the photos, <laughs> and I was like, I need this. Listen, baby, my management was, they were like, wait a second. Uh, We had a conversation about them photos. First of all, whose idea was it to go that far? And two, how hard did you have to fight to be able to express your sexuality in that way? You know, it, so it's funny because it was all Amaya Scott's idea. Like we, we were, we were, she was going to be doing a shoot for pride and she was going through her closet and she said, girl, Girl, she just says, girl. And then she comes to me and she shows me this latex bodysuit from House of CB. She's like, Miss Thing, I just had a vision and I saw, I thought you should, you should do this for the shoot. And I'm like, what? And then like Wigs and Grace sent me like a blue wig uh, for the promotion for We're Here on HBO. Yeah. So I was like, oh, 
did the universe wanted me to do this. They wanted the universe me wanted me to be a thought. They and wanted me to be a thought. Let me tell you something. Whether they admitted or not, whether these men admitted or not, they wanted they, it. And if you guys you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go to Interview Magazine. You go to Angelica Ross's Instagram <laughs> or Interview Mag's Instagram on July 1st, and this dropped. And when I say glistening, I don't even know baby. if baby oil, honey. I don't even know. Girl, if let it me was. tell you something. It was coconut oil. And when I Ooh. tell you, we, we had used coconut oil and it looks touched. And when I tell you it's not, I mean, you know, a little bit here and there, but you know, but like, but literally that's my skin. You could see the damn hair follicle, like the, you know, it, it, that's my skin. Baby, we go. You can see it all. Bitch, I love you. We, you know, we know we two yes. black aunties. You know, and your mama yes. was gonna be like, "Oh no, yes. no, we're gonna be ten oh, minutes," and then two hours later, you're still at your auntie's house because the two, because them two are going at it. Yes, absolutely. But that just means that we need to touch base more often. That's all. One hundred percent. And let me know mm-hmm. about this trans tech thing. I wanna. I you wanna know, I'm gonna follow up right after this. Hit me up. I love you. Okay, love you too. I will see you later. Yes, Thank Angelica Roth, Look, the boss. Just to sit. You know what I'm saying? Just. Ooh. To- <laughs> we ain't gonna give you the whole thing. We'll give you just that sip. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I love you, baby. Bye, baby. Bye. You guys, thanks for listening, and do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at the Lady Sitter, and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity. 